0: This is the American Association of Orthodontists, the Business of Orthodontics podcast, episode 19. Welcome. This is Pam Paladin, and I'm pleased to welcome AAO President Dr. Dwayne McCamish back to the Business of Orthodontics podcast. He'll fill us in on actions that came out of the February 2017 meeting of the AAO Board of Trustees, and will fill us in on some recent media interviews that that just took place uh, not long ago. Welcome back to the program, Dr. McCamish.
1: Good morning, Pam. I'm very glad to be with you again. Last one was fun, and I look forward to this one. This is our second one, isn't it?
0: It is, yes. Dr. McCamish, you had a really busy uh, several days starting with the Board of Trustees meeting in mid-February. And this morning, we're going to be talking about a a number of the actions that came out of that meeting. Do you want to start with uh, the MATCH program? I think that was one that you guys talked about.
1: You know, Pam, we did. The Board of Trustees uh, had an extremely busy schedule for two solid days. Uh, We were even late leaving in the evening, later than what we had expected to be, that was for sure. The match program was, was something that the board has always been concerned with, and our Council on Education continues to try to make it better. The problem is really with the fact that students are forced sometimes to accept the position with a non-match program for fear that they will not be accepted by one of the match programs. And the way the rules are now, that if you accept a non-match p- position, then you cannot, you have to withdraw your name from a match program. Now, what this means, we have out of 68 schools in the United States, we have 59 of them participate in the match. And the match is a program where it says you choose who you want to have to the school, and then it says to the student that's applying, you choose where you want to go. And then out of that, then they equally on a on a fair basis, uh, matches are made, and we have fifty-nine out of sixty-eight programs in the United States that participate. In that in Canada, there's five out of six. So we essentially, um, out of this, out of the sixty-four, out of the seventy-four programs that we have, we have participation in all but ten of. them and and that's just really not acceptable we need participation by 100 percent so the council on education is trying to work out a way that they can put some and i'm sorry for the pun but they can put some teeth into it and make it so that if you're not part of the match program if you're one of the programs that's not part of that 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 you are penalized in some way and so the thinking is that to make the, the solution so that students do not have to drop out of the match program if they're accepted by a non-match program. And then there's no advantage to those non-match programs to take and accepting students early, which is what they do.
0: Is this a proposal? Is this something that's going to go through? What 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 do you foresee in the future?
1: Well, yes, and, and, and that's uh, exactly where it's going to go. The Board of Trustees and the executive officers of the Board of Trustees are going to reach out to the other dental specialties because we know that the oral surgeons and we know that the periodontists have 100% participation with their MATCH program. And so we are going to reach out to them and find out more specifics on what they are doing. And then we're going to come back with a proposal to take forward to the House of
0: Delegates. When do you expect that to happen, Dr. McCamish?
1: You know, that that will be happening at the next DSG. DSG is acronym for Dental Specialty Group Meetings. And uh, so that occurs uh, three times a year, once at the ADA and then in the fall and then in in the uh, winter months.
0: The uh, board policy committee was busy and and, uh, had a report for you at the board of trustees meeting. Uh, What is their completed work?
1: Well, the board policy definitely needed some work. It needed Condensing, it needed reorganizing, and it needed sunsetting. And that committee did. Uh, it consisted of John Callahan, Ken Delahaye, Michael Foy, Chris Roberts, and Julie Sutter was the liaison on it. And they did a volume of work to make it more organizational and to make it so that it was more current. A lot of things were sunsetted that should have been sunsetted a long time ago. A new board uh, manual will be available for members to look at online if they'd like to. And there's also an organizational policies and procedures manual that will be easily accessible online for any member that wants to look at policies that the board of trustees are following.
0: The new AAO's director of marketing presented to the board of trustees, I understand. Would you like to uh, tell us how that went?
1: Yes, boy. The board is really excited, and the council on communication is really excited about our new director of marketing and communications and the recommendations that have been made. Um, it, it's long been felt that our outreach has not, our members have been concerned, the board's been concerned that we're really reaching the segment of of potential patients and parents that are making decisions for their children, and and we know that that the world is going digital, uh, and, and it's just a reality. and And we haven't really been getting bang for the buck out there, and we know that because our members are telling us that. And so our our marketing program is going to be taken in a new direction. We have a new director of marketing and communications, and her name is Katie Massick. And all I really say, there's going to be a presentation to the House of Delegates that the board was presented with and that the Council on Communications was presented with. And it created enthusiasm, excitement. And all I'll say to our members is just wait, because it is going to be Fabulous.
0: It's a very exciting time for the Consumer Awareness Program.
1: It is for sure, Pam.
0: One of the big things that happens at every February board meeting is uh, your recommendations on the budget for the coming fiscal year. Would you like to uh, give us an overview of what happened?
1: Well, Brent Larson is our Secretary Treasurer this year, and of course, our financial chief is Cassandra Scales, and together they have created. A budget that is is probably uh, one of the most doable, workable budgets. Some things have been eliminated. Some things have been added. Uh, they also have created visuals that are really going. They'll be presented to the House of Delegates, and they were actually presented to the delegation chairs uh, two nights ago. Uh, but but it, it will show visuals on what's happening with our membership and how the revenue streams. Are changing. Just one point I'll make: we now have uh, as many life active members, which means reduced/no dues type of category. That number is equal to the number of new members that are joining. So that's a completely even crossing out segment. So new members coming in and members that have been members and reached the life active category, that's 30 years of of membership in the American Association of Orthodontists. And those are completely equal. Our expenses are going up, but our dues and our revenue coming in has remained flat, maybe even decreasing just a little bit. So whereas dues and revenue coming in is flat, expenses going up, you know, there's the visual is that um, either you've got to have a slight increase in dues, or you maybe have to redefine life active uh, instead of maybe 30 years. Uh, maybe it needs 35. Maybe it's like our federal system of uh, of retirement at 62, and you start getting federal assistance. Uh, maybe that needs to be reevaluated. But this is something that really needs to be looked at, and this year. Uh, Brent and Cassandra came back with some visuals that made it really apparent that that has to be. The budget going forward itself um, is really going to be a balanced budget. There'll be a slight excess in the budget due to eliminating some of the programs that we felt like could be eliminated. And and that excess... Um, may be utilized by the House of Delegates uh, with new programs and new services that they vote in uh, at the upcoming meeting in San Diego.
0: Dr. McCamish, then the budget that is recommended by the board, is does that mean it's a done deal, or does uh, someone else have to have to approve this before, uh, before it takes effect?
1: You know, Pam, it is never a done deal. It is always the House of Delegates budget. And with the reference committees that happen after the budget and other issues, other resolutions are presented. That is the time the budget is discussed and can be changed. And so, no, it is never written in stone. It is it is proposed by the board of trustees, but it is approved by the House of Delegates. So, you know what what I would what I would even tell our members is that. The Board of Trustees uh, has included in the current budget that has an excess, we've included some new programs going forward. And one is uh, a different strategic planning session. The strategic plan is really important to our organization because this is the plan that we use to create our critical issues. Our critical issues are what we feel like are the most critical for our association in going forward over the next one to three year span. And, and, and the, the strategic plan is a way to take and to create programs and services to take and to, to solve those critical issues that have been identified. So uh, the board of trustees has recommended a new, larger stakeholder involving uh, new and younger members, involving different uh, practice areas, modalities, more representative of our membership. That has never been done. It's always been—it's that's never been done. It's always been done by the board of trustees and the AAO staff. And we feel like that there should be a wider range of individuals making these decisions that affect the future of our organization. That's one thing. The other thing, and this is really exciting, is that we have recommended that the House of Delegates be streamed live this year. That means the proceedings that are going on in the House of Delegates would be streamed back live by video to members that were not able to be there. If our membership remembers in Orlando, we had the first streamed live town hall conference that had ever been held. Then that was done again in Fort Lauderdale at the Emerging Leaders Conference. We actually, that morning when we streamed it live, we had questions come in from individuals that were not there and able to be part of it. And we're gonna have it again at the town hall in San Diego when we meet there, April the 21st through the 25th. So that's the second thing that the Board of Trustees has put into the new budget. A Third, the COMEJC, that's acronym for Council on Membership Ethics and Judicial Concerns. They revised our code of ethics. And before we present that to the House of Delegates, we would like an expert outside counsel we have our inside but there are experts in different fields of law and we want them to review this new revised code of ethics before it goes to the house of delegates but this is probably the most exciting to me because it it creates value for membership and that is our new half day legal course presented by our legal counsel to each one of the resident programs in the united states and Canada, and it's been in a pilot presentation where where Kevin Dillard and Sean Murphy have made presentations to two programs, one in St. Louis and one in my home state of Tennessee, and the reaction from the residents was outstanding. They said, we have to see this every year, but this program, this program tells the residents that the AAO has legal advice out there to advise them on such things as contracts. Employment matters, choosing a lawyer, uh, how to handle a difficult patient, uh, promotions and raffles for treatment, do you get involved, do do you not get involved, advertising, social media, mutual aid agreements, doctor-patient relationship, how are you going to terminate a patient, Um, HIPAA issues, antitrust issues, patient contracts, and much, much more. Split fees, treatment decisions, insurance questions. So they go in and they present a program, a full half day program to the residents on these vital legal issues that they are going to be facing when they leave the program. And there are issues that they will be a resource for even after they leave, but after they leave the resident program. They also advise them on other things, things that they're really concerned with, on, on loan programs that the AO have, practice opportunities programs, and a lot of other things. But we have put funding in there for this program to go forward to all the schools, all the programs in the United States, the 68 different programs that we have. So that's really exciting. That is a direct member benefit that's unknown to many, uh, of, that's, that includes services and programs that are unknown to many of our members, especially the residents.
0: Sounds like a really valuable resource.
1: It, it really will be. It's going to be really a great resource for our members.
0: Very, very exciting times. Now, uh, I understand too that there was something uh, discussed at the board about um, a white paper and practice modalities. Can you explain a little bit about that, please?
1: Well, we we've had uh, several members concerned about being able to put factual information, uh, you might say, evidence-based information, and and one on practice modalities. Um, is is one that has been developed, but the council on on uh, COHC has developed the paper, but it's felt like that there needs to be more detail added to it, and so uh, this re- this request was was approved to develop to get a task force that would be more specific to develop and further the parameters on different practice modalities that are out there. And again, this is informational for residents and for even our membership that's thinking about going into different practice modalities.
0: Some of the other uh, topics that you were looking at at the board meeting had to do with the resolutions that the board is sending to the House of Delegates when they meet in April. Uh, are there some of the uh, resolutions that you wanted to share with our listeners today?
1: You know, there are. One resolution that, that was really good, and the intent of it was extremely good, and it came from C-O-M-E-J-C and from CONYM, C-O-N-Y-M, the Council on New and Younger Members, And it was a resolution that came to the board to have a member of Conum set on, one member set on each of the other councils. Now, the board thought this was a great suggestion for a new and younger member to take and to be, and to be privy to the information that's going on a council. The way the resolution came to us though, it was for them to have a vote on that council. So there were several concerns that the board had. The first, having been a member of a council myself before I became a trustee, I served eight years on COOP. I know the time that's required to be on any council, and I know the work that Conum uh, does. And so the concern was possibly that there would be a time limitation for each of those Conum members to be mandated to go and to be part of a council, essentially doing two council time commitment at the same time. And with developing practices, with young families, we just felt like that maybe that there might be another way we could do to get information out to our new and younger members. And the second concern we have is that is that the councils all have specific areas of interest. And because they do, it, just because you're a member of Conum, you may not match up with that specific area of interest. So we felt like it might be better to choose emerging leaders, those that are out there 10 years and less with specific areas of interest to go and to serve on those councils. A third would be a third concern was that if this was passed and if this went forward to the House, you'd have to have a bylaws change in order to do that. And there's nothing wrong with bylaws change when they're needed, but they're pretty hard to get sometimes because of the vote requirement. So so we felt we felt knowing that the the members of the council on new and younger members could get reports from each one of the councils. Those are readily available and they can be informed of what's going on in each council that we would get more new and younger members involved. if, If there was an appointment made by the board of trustees from new and younger members, emerging leaders to be part of specific councils, with specific interests in mind that those new and younger members might have. So we we, we asked uh, a reconsideration, essentially, it uh, from COMEJC and from CONNUM. We did not want to be negative towards this because we thought this was a, a great resolution. But we wanted to put back with them. The thought of uh, the things I have just mentioned and reasons as to why they might want to reconsider this. And we would welcome back a reconsideration of this at the pre-annual session uh, with a recommendation going forward to the House.
0: Are there other uh, HOD resolutions from the board that you'd like to tell us about?
1: Yes, there are. There, there was a bylaws committee that was formed, and I'm going to tell you, I'd like to mention the people on this bylaws committee because they served a lot of time. Our trustees were Norm Nagel Steve, and Steve Siegel, but Dale Ann Featherton from the Great Lakes, Natalie Parisi from Masso, Daniel Keith from the MSO, um, Martin, um, I'm sorry, Marlon Salmon from NISO, Marie Latra from PCSO, and Christian Kenworthy from Rocky Mountain, and our own Dan Joseph from the Southern, and Ryan Strait from the Southwest, and the, the staff liaison was Kevin Dillard. And this bylaws committee uh, really came out of the House of Delegates, and, and their charge was to study the criteria for AAO membership. Now, a history on this. Before, to be a member of the American Association of Orthodontists, you had to be in the exclusive practice of orthodontics. Now, we know in this day and time that that is a a term in which it could be, there are a lot of procedures that are done that might be excluded from exclusive practice of orthodontics. So, it was felt like that in light of ADA Resolution sixty-five and other things that are happening and the way things have changed, that we needed to relook at our definition, and so they did, and they've come forward with a recommendation that it be based upon the educational qualifications. In other words. That you can be a member of the American Association of Orthodontists if you are a graduate of an ADA CODA accredited program. Uh, CODA, of course, is the uh, Commission on Dental Accreditation, and that's, that's out of the Department of Education, and they oversee medical dental education, educational qualifications. So that committee has done a lot of work, they've spent a lot of time. And this will be going with the unanimous blessing of the Board of Trustees to the House of Delegates for consideration. At the same time, if it does pass, then it would eliminate the need for the membership category affiliate membership of the AAO because the affiliate took into account the dual specialists that were not in the exclusive practice of orthodox.
0: You also mentioned ADA Resolution 65. For people who are not familiar with that, could you uh, explain what that is?
1: Yeah, we we mentioned that a little bit in our last podcast, but what happened, the ADA House of Delegates passed Resolution 65. It affects us in two different ways, and this all goes back to the Texas issue with ABDS and then to the North Carolina issue with whitening, because FTC got involved, and because of that, Before, the ADA said that in order to be in a specialty practice, you had to be in the exclusive practice of that specialty. That was changed. You no longer have to be in the exclusive practice by ADA definition of a specialty practice in order to take and to be a, a member of the ADA. And then the other aspect of it, it said that you had to take in and only the nine specialties that were recognized by the ADA could advertise as specialties. Well, now the Resolution 65 says that, that you can only advertise as a specialty if you're a member of one of those nine specialties, but also the caveat was put in unless the state... And it's all determined by state boards, unless the state in which you practice says otherwise. And that's what happened in Texas with the ABDS. We know that the four entities in Texas, we filed an amicus brief. We have not, there's still ruling on it. We have not heard from it. But as of the last ruling, the four entities that sued the Texas Board of, of Dentistry, Uh, can now advertise as specialties. And that was the American Academy of Implantology, Anesthesiology, Oral Facial Pain, and Oral Medicine. So in the state of Texas, those four entities can advertise as specialties. And by ADA definition, only the nine that were recognized by the ADA could advertise. So a lot of licensure issues as far as dental specialties and how they're recognized. There's a lot of issues out there, Pam, and it's a little complicated when you get down to the nitty gritty of it, but it's things that will affect our members, and it's what I can promise you the Board of Trustees is on top of our association, the American Association of Orthodox is on top of it
0: And it sounds like you are listening to members and and just keeping your ear to the ground on everything else that's that's going on within the uh, the profession as a whole and within the specialty Now Dr. McCamish there was a meeting uh, at the winter conference uh, or in conjunction with winter conference with our emerging leaders and I think you have some things to tell us about that
1: Well I can tell you it was the fourth emerging leaders conference. And this conference has become not an option. It's become a necessity because we we learn, we, the Board of Trustees, learns every time we have one of these conferences. The discussion that goes on before the conference, um, a blog is created where there is discussion items put out there. And these members that there's there were 70 something new emerging leaders that participated in this conference this year. And, and there's discussion before, there's discussion during, and then there's discussion afterwards. And the Board of Trustees listens to what they're saying. It is not something that we take lightly. It has become a necessity. It is not an option. It is held every two years. It's held in conjunction with the winter conference. The members of that committee, um, again, Chris Roberts, Norm Nagel, Steve Siegel, Alejandro, Romero, Rita Chan, Tristy Felt, Grace Kim, Deborah Lean, and Todd Thayer, and Chris Brannas was the uh, staff liaison to it. And those members did a great job. This was the best ever conference we've ever had. It was absolutely fabulous.
0: What kinds of things were discussed?
1: You know, there were many issues. And what's neat to find is to find out what they are most concerned about. And the first question we asked them is, what's the most important issue that the AAO can help you with your practice? You know, the Board of Trustees listens to that. But the number one thing that they, there was two issues, and and one of them you can you can guess right off, and that was student debt, and and their reaction to that was was variable. Some said, you know, it's not the AAO's problem; it's our problem. You know, you know when you're getting into it, how much you're going to owe, and whatever, and. And so it, that, that was variable in the response. But the board knows that we need to do everything we can to help them with student debt. And that's why we have Sophie. That's how we, we have a relationship with U.S. Bank. It's also why it's a reason to be a part of the ADA, because they have a relationship with DRB Bank. D-R-B. And that's Damien Roton, R-O-W-T-O-N, Bank and and we found out just meeting with the ADA officers uh, 2 weeks ago that they have now that DRB program refinances student loans once you get accepted into a graduate resident program so if you're accepted into a program for any of the nine specialties They will refinance your loan. You don't have to qualify. And the rates went from 4.65% to 7.89%. So we we need to make our members aware of that. I had comments afterwards because I I did a segment on that. And I had comments afterwards from the new emerging leaders that that I'm going to apply for that. That is something I'm going to be doing. Uh, So I knew without any doubt that that was something that was going to be going forward, and they and that they were going to benefit from. Then the second thing that they were really concerned with uh, was practice modalities, and and you know we're dealing with that. We're helping them along that. We're providing practice opportunities for them. That's uh, that's a big thing that we are involved with at the AAR. And then the third thing, this is probably one of the biggest things that, that's on their mind, and that's using the CAP program to tell the consumer the difference between a dentist and an orthodontist, and the difference between a dentist and an orthodontist. And this is something that um, I'll just put in a, a plug right now. I was in uh, New York City this past week. I was there from uh, Monday, and I came back last night. And while I was in New York City, I did 19 TV and radio interviews. I did interviews with six different magazines. And I was able to get the message in during those interviews that a, that a dentist, that I'm a dentist, first of all. But then I wanted to learn how to do something that I really enjoyed better than just better than I could do as a dentist. And so I went back and I spent additional three years of my life learning how to do orthodontics. And I was able to get this message out there to several of the news media. And uh, it was just a unique opportunity to do. But that's what our new and younger members want. They want us to be harder hitting with our consumer awareness program. They want us to get the message out there that, um, that sometimes people are doing things they shouldn't be doing. And that if you want the best treatment possible, you go to the one most qualified, and that's, and that's the orthodontist who's a specialist in doing orthodontic treatment. That's just one of the questions, Pam. Uh, there were several things about what they wanted to do and how much time that they felt like they could put into being involved with the AAO. We had um, we, we, There were a lot of things that went over. We asked them about programs we had. Many of them weren't aware of a lot of the insurance programs, a lot of a lot of the different programs that we have available for them, and so it was. Uh you know, it, it was, it's just a way the Board of Trustees continues to learn what our membership expects and wants, especially the new and younger members that are coming out, because they are the future of our organization.
0: Dr. McCamish, there has been a virtual board meeting now. There's been a virtual House of Delegates meeting. Are we looking at more of these in the future?
1: You know, without a doubt, Pam, we are. It's, it's where we are, and it's what we're asking our councils and committees to do. And so the House of Delegates and the Board of Trustees have to be receptive to what we're asking others to do. We had our first really virtual House of De- Delegates business meeting, I mean, where it was truly virtual. And um, and we it, it was relatively successful, but we felt like it could be better. So I appointed a task force to take and to evaluate ways that it can be more effectively done and to make it more seamless so that so that everybody is on board with um, with the technology that's involved in doing it, and also just items that we're going to discuss, because there's some things that are really more appropriate to discuss on a virtual meeting than others. Regarding the Board of Trustees, the Board of Trustees will definitely be doing it. Uh, we could never have done this February board meeting that we just finished last weekend uh, virtually because there were too many items to discuss, the budget, and going forward with recommendations that the House is going to be seeing, it would have been impossible to have discussed it. It wouldn't have been impossible. It would have been not as as, as beneficial And as accurate in presenting information going forward for our membership that's in their best interest. So, the Board of Trustees definitely, you know, there's pluses and minuses to everything you do. And I've always learned if I write down the pluses and then I write down the minuses and I look at them, then you can weigh them better and you can make decisions going forward. There is no doubt, virtual meetings greatly outweigh, when possible, and when items that are there to be discussed going forward, they outweigh the negatives. So it is something that, that the leadership of the American Association is going to be doing. It's something that it, it's just, you know, times are not changing. Times have changed. And all our members realize that. I know that even from the millennials, all, all the ways down to the baby boomer, boomers and before that, You know, times have changed, and and, and the Board of Trustees is very, very aware of that.
0: Dr. McCamish, uh, there was a scanning presentation at the board meeting uh, that was relative to CODA. Uh, Could you fill us in on that, please?
1: Yes, I can, Pam. We had several scanning sessions that were really informative, from uh, Matt Braun with Loyalty Research, and Chris Benson gave us a great one on uh, orthodontic trends, and then Larry Tadlock talking about practice modalities, Uh, But Brent did an excellent about CODA. And CODA, uh, for those that are maybe not aware, is is the uh, Commission on Dental Accreditation. And it was created by the Department of Education to oversee the educational uh, process. And, you know, I, I sat in on CODA two weeks ago today in Chicago, and I listened to what is happening, and they realized things are changing there. I heard presentations that were made that made me realize that changes with reason and logic maybe can be made. Our chain of command with CODA is, our our commissioner on CODA is uh, Garland Hershey from North Carolina. He represents us, and he sits on that commission. Under him, we have the Orthodontic Review Committee and that committee gets back all the recommendations from the orthodontic site visitors. So we have site visitors that go in and they recertify and certify orthodontic programs out there to make sure that they meet the standards of CODA. Now, I can tell you, those standards are minimal and that's where we need to go because those standards should be more than minimal full-time faculty equivalents, there's a lot of things that can be considered. So really, I think what what Brent said and what, what we feel as a board and going forward is that we have to work, the bottom line is we have to work within the government bureaucracy that's there. We cannot change that. We have to work within it. Advocacy becomes really important because we have to advocate for change. Uh, we know that advocacy is tremendously important, but it's always been said, oh, we can't do anything about that because that's CODA. Well, I think that going forward, we can. I think we have a window of opportunity to do that. And I can promise you, Garland Hershey and I, Hershey and I have a conversation. He is looking at, at ways that we can go forward with maybe changing some of the um, minimal accreditation issues that are are out there to qualify for programs residency. So I just, I really, more than anything, want our members to know that this is something we're looking at. The Board of Trustees is looking at this. We're informed, and we're advocating for our members in Washington, D.C. in regard. The other thing that Brent did is GME money and graduate medical education funding and that's complicated because it's tied to Medicare and Medicaid. And it's a very small, small part of it used to fund a lot of pro- programs out there, which creates a lot of profit uh, in those programs. And again, advocacy becomes really a key issue. But thanks for asking about that, Pam.
0: It's great that we have a seat at the table. Thank you to, uh, to, to the Board of Trustees for doing that on behalf of the membership.
1: Thanks, Pam. Thanks for uh, allowing me to make this presentation. There's a lot more the board did. Um, as I look through my notes from the board meeting, we could probably go on for a, another hour or so, and uh, and I might cover everything at that point. So I, I know each of the trustees are available to any member uh, if they want to discuss any of these issues further, and I know that uh, uh, they would be more than happy to take and to uh, respond to any questions they might have.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. McCamish, for joining us for Episode 19 of the AAO's The Business of Orthodontics podcast. It was a very, very interesting uh, discussion. Uh, Join us for future podcasts as AAO experts explore questions and issues that are important to you and your orthodontic practice. And if you have subject areas you'd like to hear addressed on a future podcast, please email them to info at aaortho.org or call 800-424-2841. This is Pam Paladin. Thanks for listening to the Business of Orthodontics podcast, episode 19.